you there? Hello. Nice. Dude, it's getting a little out of control. Morgan hates it. What, what happened? <laughs> Jeff? No. Where'd you go? <laughs> The why that booted me off. Sorry. You uh, you just had to talk shit about the mustache. You just got you got banished by the Zoom gods. Yeah, I mean Long Beach would do that. <laughs> uh, how is the new job, dude? Uh, it's good. Um, different. Going from last year, I had over three hundred athletes and eighteen teams <clears throat> to having uh, let's see. 30 athletes in three teams that I directly oversee. So it's a little smaller. Uh, what? I, yeah. <laughs> assist with others, but no, it's been good. Oh my. Um, very different because now I'm at every practice for men's and women's basketball, which is fine. Just, once again, it's a different kind of uh, stressor before when I was just managing the weight room, mostly occasionally conditioning and stuff. Now it's I'm at practice all the time, especially for women's, uh, a lot more tedious looking at things um but yeah just just a different type of stress or a different type of busy for sure man um shoot when when did you move down there again i to i'm totally blanking on that um so i think my first official day was like september 7th 9th something like that so just over three months it's been okay no right right on where so long long beach long beach what i'm sorry i don't know the full name of where you're at Oh, the school is Long Beach State. Long Beach um, State. Okay. The Long Beach State, California State University, Long Beach. Um, Got stuff. it. Yeah. So kind of okay. the same, same thing, different name. Gotcha. Yeah. No, a long time ago, all you told me was you were moving to California. That, that was the extent of where That's I knew you were coaching. <laughs> yeah. You know, my name's Jeff. I'm just going to coach the entire state of California. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else is new, man? Nothing. Uh, hard. That's about yeah. it. Just working hard, hardly working. I mean, it's. I mean, especially now that, like, when I first got here, um, there's a lot of things that I try to change with the teams that I had worked with. Um, both men's and women's basketball had the same strength coach, and women's tennis had a different strength coach. So a lot of it was just changing things. So a lot of just taking time to change things. Um, so it just, that's all I've been doing. Um, it's kind of reworking a lot of things that have been there before years of old habits, patterns, training, uh, relationships, um, all that stuff. Cause I run the internship here too. I assist with men's volleyball here. Um, I help with a lot of like, Unofficially, the return to play rehab kits for track. So it's like there's always something. Mm -hmm. uh, 
so all I've been doing is working, especially now in basketball season. So like a lot of times where I'm here every day, like I don't, I mean, I don't know the last day I took off. It's been probably two months, but just that's, it's basketball season. I both basketball. It's just how it is. Sure. Um, so I don't really have time to do a lot. When I do have time, it's just, I go to the beach, which is 10 minutes from work. You can see it from the school. So. So you're not watching as much family guy in your spare time than sitting in your office, huh? I never watched Family Guy in the office, first of all. I did it when I got home. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. That, that was strictly a Wilcox thing, just watching highlights. That does sound like something Wilcox would do just to, like, break up the day. It was, yeah, it was It was after you left to go go be a, the Chinese special king of every sport ever that it was just me and Wilcox and Roach just sitting in his office for like an hour, two hours a day, just watching family guy reruns. <laughs> that sounds exactly like something that would happen. You could picture that too. Couldn't you? Just in the back corner. Oh, 100%. Like you guys just <laughs> effing around, just like BSing about stupid family guy scenes. Like, he, I mean, we did it once in a while. It'd be the middle of the day. You just pop in and be like, Hey, let's watch this. Okay. He's like, I'm going to go back to the office now. Just, okay. <laughs> Oh shit, man! Those were the days. Um, you saw Roach pretty recently, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, I saw him. Yeah, because when I lived in Michigan, he only lived less than two hours, like maybe two hours away, and it was a real easy drive from Michigan to Indiana, where he was from or where he was living. So, like, yeah, I saw him in May, June. Okay, right, right before you pieced out. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it was not long. I think it was just one random week, and I was like, what are you up to, dude? He's like, nothing. I'm like, well, I don't got anything I have to do. You want me to come down? He's like, okay. Um, yeah, because not far away at all. So a little different now. Yeah, it's a little farther. Eh, shit, dude, I'm going to be really far away from you too soon. Sucks. Yeah, we're basically in a triangle at this point. We got we to be able to – what's that? You and I are going to be about as far away from as you can. I mean, we're both in the South, but pretty right across the country. <laughs> yeah, holy shit. But, you know, the good the good news is, is we got the trifecta, so we're at least covering all the bases across the country. So we're at least covering, like, a good surface area of at least trying to get the most amount of people we can jacked versus, like, if we're, we were all in one city, it would just be unfair for everybody, you know? <laughs> Yeah, that is a very good point. Now that we have this giant triangle across the country, we can maximize meatheadedness, which is really what <laughs> perfection is about. Uh, that we just got a we got Wilcox the sleeper cell somewhere in Iowa still. Just, just one day he's gonna pop up. Punch punch a hole through the middle of Iowa. God, I hope so. <laughs> uh, well, how's all your teams doing? Uh, good. So I'll start with tennis because they're kind of the outlier. Because like mm -hmm. obviously basketballs, the my, the main thing, and then tennis. I, I don't remember what the rationale is, but they put me with tennis. But anyway, um, tennis had a pretty good fall. Uh, pretty good fall. Um, looking in the right direction. Coach is really excited about where the team is. Um. But yeah, they they had a really good fall. Change up some of their programming, feel a little bit better, move a little bit better. Um, spring should be exciting. We'll make a genuine run at the Big West Championship. Um, the coach here is awesome. Um, Jenny, she's been here for like 
25 plus years and like like tennis is not obviously as big noticeable notable sport in most places but like if you go to the tennis center it's just lines of like conference championships it's ridiculous um they're a good group super respectful work hard so i'm excited to see how they do in the spring uh women's basketball uh we're doing decent um we unfortunately had a pretty serious about as serious injuries i've ever worked with unfortunately it was a freak contact accident so that hurt but uh team is uh we're trying to guide them in the right direction um we're winning more than we're losing a lot of it's brand new coach new style a new strength coach a lot of just change um but we're definitely getting better the team is getting better um trying to work and address all the little things across because the, the team is just this person needs this this person needs this this person doesn't need this and so a lot of it's just managing that mm-hmm. um, but we're working now we're starting to kind of get it this way and start to understand the direction we need to go with all these pieces uh men have a four game win streak um we beat usc on sunday um do you guys uh, beat usc what's up you guys beat usc hell yeah we, we were down 15 and a half came back beat usc um lebron james told our team to their face good win so our team was pretty jacked about that um that's a win in itself dude yeah i mean all the guys were like He's a lot broader than I pictured. Um, he's a broad dude. But, like, yeah, I mean, they were – I mean, it was LeBron James' son came back. Um, that was his first game back. LeBron was there. It was basically a sold-out crowd. We were down half by 15. So that was a huge win. It, the team's really starting to get in the right direction of, like, understanding all these pieces. And uh, There's a lot of positive things that come from it. So it's good. Um, those are my teams I directly work with. Um as far no as deal. what's up no big deal no big deal um jeff then, jeff tremper single-handedly took down usc this weekend that's pretty much what happened that's pretty <laughs> ron james is basically like jeff good job <laughs> this is it's all because of this guy right here um but yeah i mean i like i said i help out with some others and the kids i've been working with seem to be on the right track and they're doing better so nice um, yeah do you like kind of the small, the smaller amount of people you have to work with versus like the two hundred something you were dealing with? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was dealing with over three hundred. That was it was just too much. Like, okay. yeah. it was cool because like myself and my coworker um, Brock, who's phenomenal. Like, he's great. He'd fit in right with me, you, like Roach. Um, I don't think you were there when Mossimo was there, but a lot of the people that like we associate with, he he's phenomenal. So me and him really, him and I started to really get that program in the right direction. Like we had like an almost 25% injury reduction in one year across the board. Like, yeah. Oh, cool. and he had his first uh player, the first player from Davenport went to the XFL. Um we had like you know, four all-American, I had four all-Americans, kid got sign free agent with baseball so we were really starting to turn those programs around it was just it was so much to manage all the time like mm-hmm. my mondays i had a group at 12 1 2 3 4 5 6 30 and like and i had it between two facilities so i literally had to take a group sprint to my car 
park illegally, go in and group, come back, park illegally, go because like I, I just didn't have the time. Like oh. um, which is unfortunate for the kids, but like it was a good job, a good area, some good people, it just didn't work. But now that now I have more time to focus on the individuals a little bit differently, you know, prep more in the weight room, you know, help out kids more and more. So it's been it's been nice. I liked working with a lot of kids and creating like a lot of global change, but at the same time, I have a different position now where I'm creating more specific change and higher revenue-based teams. And but at the same time, I kind of get that feel where I help out with volleyball and those rehab kids. So it's kind of it's not as like, even though I only have 30 kids, it's not as uh, small as you may think, because like I help out with a lot of other pieces, right? No, no, no. I I think that's I think that's absolutely like the better way to go about it, especially like even just looking at it from the point of like at me working with a high school football team like a couple of years ago, like just dealing with like the 60, 70, 80 kids just on a high school football team. I'm like, I don't know how the hell you guys like watching knowing how you guys coached us back at MSU, it's just like, I don't know how the hell you guys could fucking deal with that many people, especially if you have less coaches than that. I'm just like, how how the fuck did Wilcox, Roach, and Jeff deal with all of our fucking asses? <laughs> like, oh my god. So, I, I again, dude, props to you, because it, it's just wild to me. So, I, I'm glad you, I don't want to say have less of a role, but you get, you actually get to spend time with more with those athletes more specifically, you know what I mean? I, I, th- I think that makes a big difference than trying to, you know, shock and approach shit. So, yeah, that's, that's really well said. I've never thought of that as like a shock and approach, but I mean, that's exactly what it is. And it's just part of the field for better and worse. Yeah. I, I, you just don't have a choice, dude. You just get, you just have too many fucking things you got to look at and deal with, you know? So yeah. In, unless you're working at like, a super high level of like I'm the men's basketball strength coach at USC. Like, right. You, you know, unless I'm like the strength coach for some hyper specific sport, like it's just, it's just not how it works. Like, mm-hmm. like you just always have multiple tasks. And even then, unless you're, you know, even when we were Montana state, like, you know, I still had track and field and ski when I assisted with football. And that was still, first year I did that was 125 kids, not including the other 104 on football or whatever it is. Like, I mean, just, you know, it's just kind of how it works for better or worse. But at the same time, after my experience at Montana state, had I not had that, I never would have been able to handle my experience at Davenport my last job. I never would have been able to mentally handle it. And because of that experience at those places, like, stuff is just easier because when you work at a lower level, you have to figure out solutions to problems where at the big level, a lot of people don't like, they just are like, Oh, this is just how it works. When it's like, no, there's a solution. You just never have to deal with a problem like this. Right. No, that's yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think a lot of those places, it, it just doesn't really develop that critical thinking like you're talking about. It's a really good point. Um, you know, kind of thinking about it too. I I feel like you're kind of like the king of like the obscure sports. Because <laughs> like you, because like what cross country right and like Nordic skiing at MSU, and then you did golf too, right? Mm-hmm. And then like that was when I was a GA, right? Um, but then like tennis right now, I, I feel like th- those people, those are like the king. Sounds like over there. Oh, no. championships. 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. Like, vo- well, men's volleyball is the main team here. That's like the number one team. And men's volleyball, is, yeah. So it's like a California thing. Like, vo- so we have men's volleyball, which is there's it's rare, but like we, it's always like I think it was. It's always usually us, USC, Hawaii. I think there's one other school that are always like right there. Mm-hmm. But we also have water polo men's women's, which is a super rare sport in general, unless you're in like the West Coast. I think I think you get in like the Southeast a couple times too. And we have beach volleyball. So beach volleyball is not common. Men's volleyball is not common. Water polos are not common. Um, but I mean they're cool because they're very, very, very different sports. But at the same time, like like Southern California, like it's December's 12th and it's 68 degrees outside and sunny. So like you can still train a lot of the year in those sports. Like like mm-hmm. this is this is a very I think it gets a little cooler than this come like January, but it's never like, oh my gosh, I'm dying out here or anything. Like, but yeah, those are kind of more obscure. Um I don't I don't really work with those, but like they're definitely unique in that sense. Like, I mean, when I worked rowing, that's not a very common sport when I was living in China, but yeah, t- talk about your Olympic experience. I don't think I've ever gone into detail with you at all with your uh olympic olympic coaching experience uh how, how do you want me to go about it just like the coaching experience or like the scenario of like how everything occurred or like how, how did it even start it was it was so random because i came back from yeah because it was my last football season i was stoked because it was going to be you me roca wilcox and roach we were all gonna, we were all going to have a fucking awesome like semester and then like next thing you know yeah, I'm going to China. I'm just like, what the fuck, dude? Uh, no, so what had happened was, it was kind of like, a, there was some reasons I was like considering leaving, like personally and professionally. I was just like, just there's a lot, there's a lot of reasons. True. Better or worse. Um, so I just, I throw my name into the hat of a couple jobs I wasn't really that interested, but the Chinese job I was somewhat interested in just because like um, at the time, what was being pitched to us was there brings drink conditioning, sports medicine, sports science from around the world to develop a Chinese program. And um, that's how it was pitched to us essentially in the, uh, the job board or wherever it was posted. Um, so I just threw my name in the hat because I so when I was actually graduating or right to back right before I was graduating when I was a GA to a full timer when I became an interim, the job was posted for the Chinese Rowing Association, the same program I essentially I worked for the Chinese Olympic Committee, but within rowing, but it was for the Chinese Rowing Association when it posted up as a GA. And the time Courtney, the assistant at Montana State, hadn't left yet. So I was seriously considering throwing my name in the hat just so I knew I had a job. Um, but she had left, um, right as I was getting ready to apply. So I was like, I'm not going to leave. This is a good job. Why would I leave this? Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, like part of, and I even told Wilcox this, like year two of me being in Montana, like when we met one-on-one, he's like, what are your eventual goals? I was like, I want to help someone win a gold medal in the Olympics. Like that is like a goal of mine. Like I was like, I think I always want to be in college, but at some point I probably want to step away to help someone win a gold medal. Like, like that was kind of like a dream of mine to help someone get on the podium. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, so the job had opened and it opened in like April of like 
the April before I left in from January. So it was like eight months or nine months before I left it opened. Um, so I applied through my name in the hat and didn't hear back from anything for like months. Um, then out of nowhere, I got an email and like I'm trying to remember the timeline because it was over five years ago, probably August, July, maybe. Um, I got an email basically like, Hey, like, thank you for applying, but we decided to go another direction. Mm. Then like two days later, I got an email back from a guy who's basically the hiring director, who was the head of like Canadian physiotherapy for years. So they had hired him as like one of the higher guys to hire people down or mm -hmm. hire people under. Basically got an email from him along with like probably a couple dozen other people I was attached to basically saying like, there's no reason you shouldn't be hired. You have plenty of qualifications and experience just to let you know I'm going to fight for this or fight for you to get another job with one of our associations. It's like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just like, okay, like at this point, so I'm just going to sit on this. Then out of nowhere, it was basically like, Hey, we're reviewing these, these like applications, your resume. So you might hear again. And then in October, when I blew my peck off, four days later, I got a message saying, you're hired. You need to be here. Here when I literally, I remember, I remember the moment vividly. I looked at my phone. I just put it down. And I think I walked upstairs and grabbed a beer. <laughs> uh, you can't time that one up. Anymore. No, it was four. It was four days after it happened. I just looked at my phone and threw it down. I was like, what? Um, so I had for a the, message What's for up? the record. For the record, like how much were we trying to bench? Oh, it wasn't even heavy. It was like two fifteen. All right, I'll, I'll I'll try and edit that and say like five hundred. So don't worry. Now nah, it was weird. That was a freak event. I think it was. I think that happened. The only conclusion I came to because I saw like two doctors, two PTs, multiple athletic trainers, and the only conclusion I came to is my labrum was blown off before then, or was my shoulder was really messed up before then. So there was no stability. So the pec was just stressed too much acting as a stabilizer when I was starting to hit my sticking point. That's huh. the only conclusion we can come to. Interesting. Um, I, I mean, I just don't even have people barbell bench anymore, honestly. I don't blame you. It's, it's just not worth it. It feels like there's so many freaking different ways to at least train your pressing or, or your packs in general. It's just like, what what's the point? Yeah, I mean, not to get too far off our combo, but like, I mean, uh, like we have four Swiss bars here. One of the first things I told my boss is we need a fifth so we can get five racks going with five Swiss bars. So if we are going to bench, we're going to do it in a safer manner. Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, when I had baseball, my old job, we never normal bench. We'd always floor press or dumbbell. And even then, I usually dumbbell floor press, which I think is the safest modality of all those. And I always try to pull like a 45 degree angle and just try to, you know, hold that position and overtrain, not overtrain, but train the triceps pretty heavily and all the stabilizing the shoulder. So the chance of something happening is pretty minimal. Yeah. But I mean, there are sports like shot putters, you got to bench them. Like, there's not really a choice. Like, um, but yeah, like my guys, I'll have them do it just to get some more buy in to get them working at it. Cause like my basketball players, they do a 185 bench anyway. 
I mean, if they're trying to go for the combine, that's what it is. They need to know it. But like a lot of it's just buying. But now that we're starting to respect and trust more and more and more, there's a lot of variations of throwing in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I almost never do it. It's just so stressful. Like my shoulder's still garbage. So mm-hmm. super context dependent. But I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's pretty much every fucking program ever. Yeah, I mean, even like I think it's like I watched a video of uh who was it? It wasn't Dorian Yates. It was um who is the bodybuilder who always competed against Ronnie? Oh, Jay Color. Yeah, he even there was a video of him like here, and then he's they're doing a side view of him doing like 225 and bench. He's like, I can't believe I even tried 225 with a barbell. And he was huge. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, I just don't do it. He's like, I always dumbbell bench because you always, I always got a better feel. It was always safer. It was better contraction. Like there was always better. And I was like, yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with him. Um, but yeah, so blew my pack off. Um, so then they base. I basically had a message to the manager, whatever the HR, whatever you want to call, them, and said like, hey, like this happened. Like I don't know how we want to handle this, or if you want me to continue. He's like, when can you start? Uh, or he's like, when when can you be here to do your job? Essentially, like, how long will it take? I said three months. That's what the P, that's what the doctor told me. He said, okay, well, that's when we're gonna have you come out then. Um, nice. So came out. Um, my first date there was January thirty first, something like twenty ninth, somewhere in there, twenty ninth, I think. And got there, thirteen uh, hour flight. That flight was awesome. Let's let's go over that. So <laughs> they had to change my flight last second because there was ice in Chicago. So they had to rebuy a new ticket. So nice. I'm supposed to fly out of Baltimore, but it got so screwed up that they then had to change that. So then I had to take a different flight. I was originally supposed to get a direct to Beijing. That didn't happen. I had to get a flight from Frank <laughs> San to San Fran. Then we had to sit for two hours. Okay. And we were supposed to get a connection flight right from San Fran to Beijing. And the people then told us that was going to happen. So then I ran to the next gate and they said, we can't put you on the plane. I said, why? And he looked at me and walked away. So that was awesome. That was awesome. (laughs) So a 13 hour flight turned into about 20 hours. Um, So then went from San Fran to there. Got in at like eight at night. Hi, Morgan. Oh, good. You you awoke the beast too. Hi. Um. So then got there, and then so basically, when you get there, they're trying to find a placement to where to put you with, and mm-hmm. they tried to do, they said they did at least. They were trying to put it based off like your resume experience. I actually think they did take mine into account because I ski. So at one point they basically said we like we want you to kind of work with maybe oversee the ski program because the goal was being they were trying to pump up their 2022 Olympic team. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to put me with Alpine ski. Um, and it's funny because Stephanie Gardner, who was actually on the Alpine team at that time, her dad was coaching over there. Ownership. Yeah. Um so I was like, okay, if you put me with that, we're golden. Like, I'm not going to go anywhere. Um, so basically for that, a month of it, I just kind of sat around. Well, actually, it was like day two. And I get a message because we have this thing called WeChat, which is basically a Chinese version of WhatsApp. Just a lot. There's a lot more toys to it. Like, I could literally sit on that thing, buy, a, buy my dinner, buy a taxi, buy a flight right from that app, and not have to do anything else. 
What? It really, yeah, it was actually really cool. Um, and <laughs> so, but like they're originally going to say that. So they originally, at one point, I almost had to go to had to. I was almost going to go to Bosnia Herzegovina to do the training camp out there. But then for some reason we didn't. Me and this other guy, Mike, who had a lot of experience from Canada. And then, but then it didn't happen. So they were trying to figure out where to put us. And some people got there and like the next morning they were gone. Oh, we sure. had, yeah. We had a guy named Josh. I can't remember, but he was the one who didn't work for the longest. And because I think they were trying to find a place to put him and they didn't know where they wanted to. I want to say he didn't work for like 13 weeks. Yeah, and he was getting paid. Like, we were all getting paid just to sit there. But I'm pretty sure he was 13 weeks. What do so, you What do you do for that? Well, the one cool thing about Beijing is it's a huge city and there's always something to do. Sure. So right where we, we were staying in a hotel and they basically just bought out the whole floor. So, like, that's where the whole administration operated out of. And we had a, the National Training Center, I think is what it was called, was like, maybe a mile walk down the road, if that. So we always train there and they knew who we are because we were the only foreigners around. So they, we could just go in there and train. But then like, you'd have like all these like old, like historic, like parks and monuments everywhere. Like from like, you know, hundreds and thousands of years ago. Um, so you could always, like you just roam the city and you had all these apps like for taxis, you had these apps for translation, you had these apps for like things to do. So like, they have to all set it up on your phone. It was kind of a pain when they did it the first day. But after that, like, as a foreigner and, like, an American, it's actually pretty easy to navigate through Beijing. Like, it wasn't hard at all. Um, you didn't like, have to pay for all that, did you? Like, all the taxi fare or anything? Or We did. Like, oh, okay. so, like, we had housing was paid for, food was paid for, for breakfast, lunch, dinner. Okay. Um, my cell phone bill was six bucks a month. Um, Damn. obviously, you don't have a car, so you're not paying for gas or insurance. Um, that's off the table. Sorry, that's all right. Um, yeah, phone bill like, so you're not spending any money hardly unless you're like going out. Like, and even then, like, if I were to go to like American restaurant, the actual total sum of the meal would be pretty close to what it would be in America. So if I went to like a Chili's in China, it'd be close because there's no, you don't pay like tip, but the total sum is the same. But if you find like some back alley restaurant, me and three guys got dinner and it cost us $10 in total. Did you go to a Chinese Chili's? Uh, I went to something. It was a, like an, an Applebee's or like, it was something. I don't remember what it was. It just oh, seems wrong. Eat the head a lot. Pizza, <laughs> pizza hut in China, dude. <laughs> because their breakfast, we, we we like we didn't want to eat the breakfast at the hotel one day, so we went to the pizza hut, and it was like, I wish I still the I might have a picture somewhere, but it was like dumplings, eggs, bacon, um, this like porridge with shrimp in it, um, orange juice, coffee. Um, I know I'm missing something. Mm, yeah, something probably. There was, some, and I think it was like nine dollars, and it was just like smorgasbord. Like I could barely finish it. Wow. So like, it was kind of cool. Okay. 
Um, but anyway, so we're like, like eventually one day they're like, Hey, you got to go with this team. So I was like, okay. And it was the junior national rowing team. And they're like, Hey, you're going down to Huang Shen and Huang Shen. If like, this is China, it's like kind of here. Huang Shen translates to yellow mountain. So they basically brought us there. It was me, this guy, Oshin from Ireland, this guy, Dan from Australia. We were supposed to take three sectors. I took the women's skull. One of the guys, they one of the guys took the other one men group and the other guy took the other men's group. So there's three of us. Um we all just kind of operated separately, but we were unofficially working together. I don't know how it was viewed. So we got down there at the time, the women's team was the best team in the world. Um so we got down there and basically like we were there for like a month. Um and it's like kind of like this mountain fishing town. It's the best way I know how to describe it. Like some of the pictures look out of something at like like a Disney story. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, so we trained them for a month and then out of nowhere, they're like, Hey, the team's disbanded. We're like, okay. So we're just and keep in mind, we're in the middle of nowhere. And when I mean nowhere, the day we walked into the hotel, they said, and I quote, you are the first foreigners I've ever seen here in my entire life. 2019. So get there, do all that. So disbanded. They brought the under 23 national team. We trained them intermittently a little there, but we weren't really doing anything for the second month I was there. So in three months, I really didn't work that much. <laughs> and then month four comes or somewhere like that. So we go to, it's in June almost now. So now they put us back in Beijing and they put us in the Beijing training center where they had the Olympics in 2008. So we lived on top of the weight room, quite literally a straight coach's dream next to the restaurant or the feeding hall, which was next to us. So it was great. Mm. And it was actually really cool. Um, and that time we were training, it was basically the national B team. So like, and they were all great. They were great to work with. The national women's B team is essentially what it was. And then they left after a month. So it was, it's just this weird hodgepodge of things. And then, so all the kids, most of the kids we'd worked with then at Huang Shen now arrive again after that. So like, Five months later, now they're like, okay, these are the national kids. We have to prep them for the World Championships in July. So it, that's got to be similar timing. So then, for whatever reason, they put me with men. I don't know. So now I'm with the men's team, machines with the women's, and then we just assist each other. Whatever. Um, yeah, I wish I knew the answer to that one. Yeah, they just they just kind of told you, like, hey, you're going to do this now? To, yeah, to pretty much. Up. Had no say or anything. And that, oh, that's super weird. No. And it was weird because even at one or two points, like there's always going to be conflict because of different cultures. Mm-hmm. At one point, the men's and women's women's the men the women's program, the head women's coach and the number two women's coach came up to me and basically translated, "Hey, can you help us out more? Because we really like you." I'm like, "I'll do what I can." It's not my team though. Right. So it's kind of weird. Um, but basically, we started having some serious health issues. Um, some of the athletes were being treated as politely as it can be said um and basically my coworker sheen basically said i'm gone and dan left when you're hong shen because he's like i'm not doing this so i was the only one there um, a lone survivor i i just i part of me stayed because i just felt guilty of how a lot of the things were happening and i felt wow. like responsible for a lot of the athletes um but then these the issues just kept happening over and over and over and over and then we finally got to Tokyo, or it wasn't Tokyo, it was the place right before Tokyo to train for the World Championships. And it was kind of like, this athlete got hurt, should never happen, and I just lost it. Like, you've seen me lose it on the field once or twice. Like, it was like mm-hmm. nine times ten for like five straight minutes to everyone. 
Oh, so you had a full-blown Wilcox moment. Yeah. Like, it was full-blown to the point where, like, I couldn't breathe. I don't remember what I said, really. Like, just losing my mind on everyone. Um, and I basically told administration, put me with another team or I'm flying home. Um, but actually, when I was there, like, two days later, I got, like, severely ill and had to go to the hospital. Um, never figured out what it was. Coincidence? Yeah. I don't think so. Um, then they flew me back to China. Saw a whole bunch of doctors, never figured out what happened. Um, but then like my leave came up or whatever. Uh, home, went back and they put me with an air rifle for a few months. And I was like, that's right. You, you see, that's what I'm talking about. Like the king of like. Yeah, air rifle. Yeah. What a waste of my time. Um, so I basically told him, I was like, Hey, just to let you know, like, if you don't put me with a real sport, I'm leaving. They're like, it is a real sport. I'm like, no, it's not like nothing against air rifle, but like, I have two or three kids 90% of the time. So I literally would warm off for 15 minutes in the morning. I'd warm off for 15 minutes in the afternoon and twice a week. I would lift them. That was my job for like three months. And I told him, I'm like, if you don't put me with a team, I'm leaving. And they're like, that's your choice. I'm like, okay. Um, okay. The only good thing about air rifles is they're one of the team's or program's best teams. So the food was awesome. Every morning, buckets of chicken wings. And <laughs> I had chicken wings and omelets like every morning. Did you, okay. So prior to starting China and then leaving China, how much weight did you gain? I lost, when I got sick, I lost a ton of weight. Like I lost. Uh, okay. So like when, because right when I got to China, I had gotten a lot out of shape because my surgery and I didn't lift nearly as hard. Right. Then like the first three or four months, I started getting in really good shape again. Like up until about June for about five-ish months, I trained like all the time. Like me and Oshin lifted just great. Like it was not that dissimilar from what we were in the weight room before. I mm -hmm. cleaned the most I ever had. Oh, um. Yeah, I agree. Bye, Morgan. Come here. Come kiss me on the camera. It's good to see you. You too. Yeah. Kiss you on camera. Yeah, kiss me on camera. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like, I got up to similar size and weight. Like, I actually started in really, really good shape because I was doing these super high intense, high volume circuits that were just like debilitating. Um, and then I got like really like I lost like ten pounds in like a day and a half. Oh shit, dude! Yeah, I was like I went from like two forty, and then I started to like try to lean out a little bit on purpose, and then out of nowhere it was like there's nothing left. Like it was like I lost genuinely lost like ten pounds in thirty six hours. When did you? So when did you end up leaving there? Because the because you it was probably pretty close to around COVID then, huh? So fun fact about that um when i was with air rifle guess where we were stationed in november oh god <laughs> you were in the heart of it weren't you i was oh dude holy shit how yeah. fun was that oh it was great um yeah so i left in february before it got bad uh -huh. um, and they're like hey do you want to come back i'm like no and they like we're like why not i'm like 
do we really need to have this conversation? Um, so I left and then that was kind of my experience. There's a lot of weird details that could be attached to that, but that's that's a whole other podcast. Dude, oh yeah. I, I can't even I can't even fucking imagine that one like being in the heart of that like that as a foreigner too. I didn't get it that bad. I didn't really get it because it wasn't happening until like I left. Like well, not month- that, but like ju- just the atmosphere and the environment of all that shit happening. Yeah, once. I mean, it, like I said, it wasn't me there, but there's I got a there's a guy I used to talk to, Jothan. Like I, I don't remember how we met, to be honest with you. But anyway, he was a guy who worked for another company similar to the Chinese Olympic Committee who coached Olympic athletes, but it wasn't the Chinese Olympic Committee. I don't remember what it was called. He had like a lot of martial artists. That was kind of his niche. And he had some other weird group and he was stationed okay. in like a little other place. But like he sent me videos of stuff that was happening there. Like they were on full blown lockdown, dude. They looked like stormtroopers spraying the streets. No, no BS. Like people were locked down, couldn't leave. Like, um, Knew some people who literally had to like sneak out of their rooms to get stuff, and they were like seriously concerned about like their safety and stuff. But yeah, like it was, I can't imagine being there. And like when all that stuff went bad, I'm like, yeah, I'm happy I left. Like, because I can't, I would have gone crazy. I would have gone crazy. Absolutely, man. It's everything happens for a reason. So, I mean, it's it timed up pretty well for you. Basically, I have the best timing. Basically, this is what you're saying. So, yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, so gosh, gotcha. I'm even just trying to think where where all have you coached now? Good, because you've done a lot of shit now so far. Do you are you talking about from when I left Montana State or just completely? Completely. Okay. So let's see. I realized I wanted to become a strength coach when I was 21. Um and so I interned, I volunteered my time at Northwestern High School in College Park, Maryland. Um, and after that, it was Jay Dyer Strength Conditioning, then it, which is now turned into USA Lacrosse, Jay Dyer Strength Conditioning. Then gotcha. it was, that was in Baltimore, Maryland, and I worked with Boys Latin High School specifically. Then it turned into, or then I went to Junior Tennis Championship Center, which is like basically a very, very, very high end like tennis school, mm. College Park, Maryland. Then I interned in East Carolina for a summer. Then I interned on the Olympic side of Maryland. Then I went back as a part timer under Jay Dyer's, same thing, like same kid, same school, right when I graduated. Mm-hmm. I had my GA Montana State full time head assistant. Then I left to go to China, came back. I had a construction job just to make ends meet. But during that construction job, I volunteered at Compton State for a little. Then I took a job at MedStar Health, which is the affiliation with USA Lacrosse, which I worked with John Carroll High School Lacrosse, a whole bunch of random people in Loyola University in Maryland. Um, then I worked at my last job at Davenport University, and now I'm gotcha. here. Gotcha. I, I guess I didn't realize you did you did that much before even getting to MSU. Oh yeah, and when I got hired, it was between me and one other guy, and it was a very tight. Oh yeah, it was between, it was very close. Apparently, what what made you choose MSU? Because uh, it was the best offer I had. Okay, <laughs> calling it what it is. <laughs> no, it work, works for me. Yeah, um, I applied to a lot of jobs and there was 
there was one place that offered me like a really good deal, but it was a D3. So I was like, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. There's another place that was basically like, you'd be a graduate paid intern. I'm like, I'm not doing this. Um, I need my school paid. So Montana State was the best offer. I got you. So, oh, that makes sense. How how do you think your coaching philosophy has kind of changed through kind of like everywhere you've been? It's a good question. Um, I have a couple of those now and then. So like when I first started, I it's such a weird change. So like East Carolina, I wish I'd asked more questions because by the time I got there, I just didn't understand the intensity of what drove physiological change. Cause it was a very much hybrid between Olympic lifting, powerlifting, and like high end tech, technical track speed work. Those were like the three prime things in that program. Um, so that drove a lot of thought processes. You have to train maximally. When I was in Maryland, it was very Olympic based, which was like very little bit more technical cueing, a little bit more speed strength, accelerative strength, but they still, but they did a um, probably higher volume of training too. So I mm -hmm. had these different pieces, but it was more technical. So I was like, okay, well, Olympics the way. And then when I got to Montana State, Wilcox and Coach, you were never there when Coach Ramirez was there, were you? Uh, is that Ricky? Mm -hmm. I, I I think I was there for like his last year or something. I always remember him like running around on a scooter. Yeah, that was Ricky. Yep. <laughs> so they were very, very like old school powerlifting barbell based, like mm -hmm. training, which was so like Olympic. So we had like Maryland, Olympic, Montana State was powerlifting, but those two basically created East Carolina's program. We just did more accessory work at Montana State to support things. Mm -hmm. So like when I first was at Montana State, like I leaned towards full range of motion, Olympic lifting, a little heavier, um, single some single leg stuff, but it was a little bit more Olympic lifting heavy. Um, but yeah, it was more of that little Olympic lifting base, like full, full, full range of motion. And then as I got, that was really like the first couple years. And even then, like I, I had like golfers do like full front squats and back squats. And I don't necessarily regret it because they got after it worked really hard. Um, but I think I should have been more athletically based with some of the training. So like those were kind of how it started. And then as I transitioned into track and field and ski, it turned into more um, understanding cycling and programming, going lower, medium, higher, um, using some accessories to create some more physiological change through like bands and chains. I understand how to create like to implement accommodating resistance a lot more efficiently and understanding how velocity and speed and power should be used at different times of the year. So it became very methodically based programming to create physiological change for peaking. Mm -hmm. Um, that's so a lot of it came very much like a philosophy of like continuously train all year to create the best adaptation of the time that it needs using whatever modality. So like, and then the farther I got my career, I started using more like Mike Boyle's training from like unilateral perspectives. Um, I don't necessarily use it the way he does it. I use it as a driver of change to create like for throwers, 
close grip incline power jerks are really two huge movements for them. Mm-hmm. So I use derivatives of those movements to create better change for that. Um, so I use whatever I thought was necessary to create and implement or create change in the movement that has the most correlation to their sport. And I use that philosophy with rowing. It was extremely successful that way. Um, but really after that, and co- between COVID, all the change in like technology and everything, like cell phones, people sitting more, like my philosophy has now become much more sports medicine based in the sense of like most of these kids hips are destroyed and terrible so i do what i can to get them healthier to be to train in their sport um because in a now that i work with sports like basketball and even last year i worked with a lot of field sports and a lot of things that like a lot of it is just creating change to reduce injury especially in female sports who are more prone to it like women's soccer women's basketball volleyball mm-hmm. yeah um to create like basically training modalities to create a very protective way to train their system and keep their system healthy um and just to counteract life to be honest with you because a lot of times especially now in basketball we're in december i got three months to keep them healthy until march um so a lot of it is like any derivative that creates the change that we need to, uh, it keeps them healthy while supporting like a positive growth. So like, like single arm dumbbell split squats with a stability perspective, load them up as much as they can while holding positions. Like, um, like I've gotten back to doing a lot more like weighted TRX rows and weighted pushups, like more old school things to get their core to brace a lot harder, but doing it from a perspective like that. Mm-hmm. I still back squat in my men's basketball players, but I did it for a six week cycle with different variations like eccentric training and isometric training. Um, but there's a time and place for it. A lot of it now is just to keep them as strong as we can, as healthy as they can throughout the season, as simple as, as simple as that is. That's how I view it now. Um, because a lot of times between school, practice, finals, and everything, the load is so stressful to their system that I think if I pushed them too much harder, especially from a bilateral standpoint, their system wouldn't be able to hold up. I, I think that's the biggest thing is I'm sorry, let, let me let me turn on my mic. The biggest thing is a lot more people are trying to do a lot better on the actual side point of things. I think that's really, really overlooked on on a lot of fronts, especially in like programming and like managing volume. And then just like there's more than just the internal stress that is coming with um, the actual training side of things. There's a bunch of external stuff you got to worry about as well. So it's it's interesting you point that out. Sorry, side, side point there. No, all good. But um, it, it's funny you bring up the hip thing too because I, I still do that belt squat thing you showed me. Good. That's that's my biggest thing. I show pretty much every every single one of my clients because it's single it single handedly like saved my hips and my back. Oh, especially dude. playing football. Oh yeah, I mean like, and that's the thing is it's funny you say it because like I'm trying to talk my boss into buying one now. And um, because we have so much money left in our account, I'm like, you need to buy one. It's like, yeah, you know, you need to buy one. And so in the meantime, I bought like a whole bunch of pins just to do like some belt work that way. That way we have uh-huh. something in the meantime. But yeah, I I appreciate you saying that. But yeah, I mean, like that stuff is, I think it's so underappreciated. Like 
hips are everything in my opinion, like, and everything travels up and down the stream from there. So mm-hmm. firm believer of that stuff. And I will die on that hell believing it's that important. Yeah, no, that's, that was, so the, the gym I train at is it's literally the most old school, like equipment you can think of. It's all like yellow 1960s, like flex right. equipment, <laughs> all of it. No, no upgrades at all. And I'm like, Look, yeah. I don't care what we do. We need to get a belt squat in here. So you just got all this like old school shit that hasn't been touched since the freaking 60s. And there's just this nice ass rogue rogue belt squat sitting in this corner. It's just like, what the fuck is this doing here? <laughs> do you like that rogue belt squat? I I do. It's heavy as shit. Oh, really? It is heavy. You put one plate on there on each side, dude. Oh, fuck. It's, it's fucking heavy. Versus like... So this old gym I used to go out here, it's called like Yellowstone. They have they have a pit shark. Mm-hmm. Everybody could fucking max that thing out, like no problem. And it's like it doesn't doesn't really look like they, they know how to work out to save their lives, but they got eight plates on both sides, though, so clearly they're strong as shit, right? So did you like that rogue one better then? I thought so. It's I it's I'm the one that put it together to begin with, so you just got to be careful that you set it up properly, because if you don't, it'll fucking scrape the shit out of the cable on it. Oh, I get what you're saying. But, no, I I really liked it a lot more, honestly, than the the pitch shark. Yeah, that's the one I was trying to pitch to my boss, because I got a buddy. My buddy's friend really likes the rogue ones. Yeah. It's, It's really nice, dude. Good. I'll make sure to keep pushing him on that, then. No, it's shameless plug for rogue equipment in this. Sponsor me, please. We have a lot of rogue equipment in here. I mean, it's it's good stuff, so there's no reason you shouldn't. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just for whatever reason. I think one of my coworkers, he just left. He took a job with the minor league White Sox. Um, but yeah, he was always a big fan of that because I think he had a connection for him or something. So, did you ever watch that Florida? documentary that came out this year uh gators football okay it it was it was pretty good it was it was about the time where um urban meyer and it was like the urban meyer tim tebow era of like gators and i i thought it was really interesting because it it filled them it filmed them a lot of times actually like in the weight room training and i noticed they actually did a lot of actual like machine stuff versus like mm-hmm. um just like a lot of free weights or just a lot a lot of the mobility or sports specific stuff so i i always thought that was super interesting because i just haven't seen a lot a lot of like universities or any any like athletic programs trained with a lot of machines so i, I was just curious if you you'd seen anything like that or had had any um thoughts about that but i guess you haven't seen it either no i mean i can't try to think like we never really have used machines in any of the places I've been. Like Maryland, we didn't. East Carolina. The only time they ever used machines. The machines they used in East Carolina were, uh, they used, I can't remember the name of the machine is called, but it's basically like, you're almost in like star position of like block star. And there's like pads around your shoulders and your feet are like pushing up and down. Like it's kind of like a leg press, but in reverse. So oh, interesting. Down in a 45. Like it was a big machine that was coming out like when I was in high school. Like there was a big push to get these because of like mm-hmm. what you could do with it. Um, 
we used those. Um, we had some lap pulldowns, but he used them only for like, so two days. He, he had the groups in there. So the kids trained Monday through Friday. And they all, he had like a handful of guys who are weight gain guys. And they would stay in. They wouldn't condition on their upper body days. They would stay in and do extra lifting. Mm-hmm. basically just do two hours of training and so they do their lift with the group and then they'd stay after with one of the part-time strength coaches and they would just do some like basically bodybuilding training mm-hmm. um but he do like lap hold on so past that no like i'm trying to think like trying to think, never have really machined like not really i mean like i think bama when i've seen some of their stuff like they use a lot of like row machines and that's that's really the only machine that like Maybe that lap pulldowns are like I, I see like true justification for. I like reverse hypers. Like I use reverse hypers for a lot. Like we have like three really old school reverse hypers here, which I don't actually hate. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I had like equipment, I would just have basically chest support rows, reverse hypers. I don't really really use machines past that. But like I know that there's programs that I've heard of that do do that. Like I think it was like the Texans when they redid their facility 10 or 12 years ago, they had like 20 reverse hypers in there or something ridiculous. Like some programs do, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's just how it works within your system. I mean, if I guess you could, if you have the space and the money, fuck it. Yeah. If you're Bama, I mean, fuck it. We'll, we'll buy 20. We'll buy 30. There's no problem. And yeah, like I said, like, I genuinely do like chest-supported rows and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like hypers, but maybe lap pull-downs. But past that, like, I just don't see... I can see like buying a couple small pieces for like rehabby type stuff, but that's kind of out of my scope. Yeah. Kind of. No. Okay. No. Yeah. I was just curious. So I always wanted to see if like what what would a more blend of like a hypertrophy focused like athletic program kind of look like? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, people run in different ways. Like, like when I was at Maryland, my boss made me start to write programming. He's like, there's not enough volume in this to create hypertrophy. Because I wrote a hypertrophy program, or at least what I thought was one. It's like, that's not enough volume for hypertrophy. I'm like, okay. And then later on, years later, when, when I had some, like, I think it was the throwers um, in Montana State, I wrote a program that was different but it wasn't crazy dissimilar like it wasn't like this was here and this was here it was it wasn't that dissimilar and like programs worked like i think a lot of it's just how technical you coach and implement it like and you have to understand like the philosophy of it like brian was an olympic guy so it's going to be fast down grind through the hole kind of thing versus like when roach and wilcox and i coach it was like a lot more technical cueing so like like in a squat, and even with a lot of my athletes, I'd be like, slow, 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 touch, 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 light, light, light. Like, you know, when we're doing a box squat, it's like, I want you to very, like, methodically touch the box. So it's like an ingrained eccentric in there. So you have to look at how the movement is coached. Like, even if it's not an eccentric, like, that's like a Louis Simpson. He's like, we don't do eccentrics in here. I'm like, have you seen how slow some of your guys' squats are? It kind of is. Like, yeah, I mean, so, like, I don't like typically write programs from hypertrophy perspective. I write programs for the need is. And if the need is hypertrophy, then the program will automatically dictate that. Like you're going to see like 
okay, like we have to create a better strength base. You're going to do four sets of six. I'm just going to coach you extremely hard on these four sets. Like we'll keep the time frame, whatever we need to relative to your sport. Like if you're a basketball player, like four sets of six, if they're coached correctly, like six solid reps could take 20 plus seconds. Well, your time on a shot clock is 30 seconds. Like in some ways it's applicable to your sport in 20 plus seconds, you're going to get hypertrophy from that. And if you train hard enough, you're going to get hypertrophy. Is it a true hypertrophy block? No, but I don't want a block of it. I want my training to be a more seamless effect over the course of their four-year span. So they're going to create neurological change. They'll create in like all kinds of changes. And if their motor pattern changes, they're going to put more weight on the bar. Therefore, they're probably going to get more muscular change. So like, I think if you create the program based off of what they need, the hypertrophy is going to typically come with it fairly close to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've really noticed that as, as long as you tra- train hard to an extent and then, like, again, progressive overload in a lot of ways, a lot of good shit happens. And I feel like that that goes to show, like, why a lot, like, ev- everything works to an extent, right, in terms of, like, programming. It's just like, okay, are you are you training hard enough? And are, are you trying to do better over time? It just kind of seems like. As long as you meet those two requirements, kind of everything seems to work out. Obviously, there's way more nuance than that, but that's at least kind of what I noticed. No, I, I agree with you. And I think most people, if they're in the sport, they should be genetically, then their system's going to adhere to the training the way it should be anyway. Mm-hmm. I think that's a general, like if you have someone who's a basketball player, someone who's a baseball player, someone who's a sprinter. If you're writing the program the right way, in my opinion, most of the time their body is going to fill out how it should anyway, to a degree. Now, there are times and places for certain things, for sure. But like when people talk about hypertrophy from a sport perspective, like I look at hypertrophy from a sport perspective in areas where they're counteracting their sport. Like baseball or a women's basketball player, they need a lot more glute and hamstring. That's where I'm going to pump up hypertrophy. And then from there, their system's going to get stronger just because their system's in a better position. And they're not going to really add a lot of weight. You, you, if you get your glutes stronger and hamstrings stronger, you're not going to put on a lot of body weight. Like, right. so like, yes, it's hypertrophy, but it's selective hypertrophy. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever heard um or have you ever heard of the guy? It's like Brad Schoenfield. Heard of him. Uh, he he has this thing. It's called the effective reps mod- module, or model. I say module, some something like that. But essentially, it's like the last five. He calls it like the last five reps of a set. If like taken to that true failure kind of thing, is basically all you need in required requirement for like hypertrophy. And that's kind of he's kind of built that around like anything between like six and thirty reps. As long as long as that you have like five it's called like quote unquote stimulating reps it's it's probably going to build something and like you you can go into nuance on like well do let's just say like a leg extension you're probably not going to want to do a six rep leg extension you're probably going to tear your fucking knee you know what i mean that sh- that shit's heavy put that much shear on it but like doing like a 25 set like back squat that's also probably not a good idea you're probably, your your cardio's you're going to fuck up that before anything else right so it's I don't it's looking at it I I think it's kind of interesting it's it, it's all, almost like what you're saying like 
you're not pushing quote unquote hypertrophy in a lot of ways, like you're saying with like four sets of six, like training hard in four sets of four sets of six is still is still gonna do something to you, right? It's not just purely you're just gonna get stronger. There's no way you're gonna get bigger. Right. It's, it's kind of what kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of people like how do I wear this? So like People are like, oh, this person needs more volume. Okay, why? Like, why do they need to get more hypertrophy? And outside of a shot putter, you know, maybe some basketball players who need the mass, but most of the time, most athletes don't eat correctly anyway to put on the mass they need to from the training. So it doesn't really matter. And then, like, for example, like, even if you do that, say, four sets of four at a fairly high heavy stimulus, and you increase your max by 20 pounds, well, all your submax work is going to increase. Therefore, you are creating more hypertrophy over your training stimulus up until that point. Mm-hmm. So, like um, the thrower that I used to work with in Montana State, the tall, um, taller, leaner one. Um, for the life of me, I can't remember his name. I'm ashamed of it. Alec. Um, do you remember him? Uh, if I saw a picture of him, probably yeah. I don't. I honestly don't have any. I'm blanking. I was so Alec was there. Like when he came to me, like he was like two ten, two hundred. No, he was like two hundred, and we put on like muscle over like like two and a half years. Like we put on like thirty or forty pounds, and it's like I didn't write you a hypertrophy plan at any plan at any point. We just. I advocated you eating and training all the time. And like you put on a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of weight that way. And if I train you differently, like maybe I could have put on more muscle, but that doesn't mean your technical proficiency would improve in the ring. Like you have to be able, and like, you know, as well as anyone, like if I put on that much muscle mass that quickly, you still have to learn how to use it. So like, does it, do I really want to put, I mean, they're going to, you're going to get more hypertrophy in certain training blocks than you are in others and certain strength more in others. But like, just because you put on more muscle mass, it doesn't necessarily help. Like I'd rather have a very fast lean athlete. The more that I understand, like, like a lot of the anatomy and like stuff of my athletes that I work with that like my athletes aren't necessarily getting that much bigger, but they're becoming much more proficient in whatever sport they are because the tissue that should be working is working. I agree with that. I like I like that a lot. Um, how are you training nowadays? Like you yourself? Yeah. Um, sorry. Are you training nowadays? No, I, I I do I do it on principle. Um, so I'd say in the last like really like last ten days, like I was going like Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday ish, and then I would just shift it if I needed to. Um, based off of like games basketball games or whatever I need to but now that I've actually been training pretty consistently for since like summer um my numbers are getting a lot higher again and since now I'm getting older my system just gets more burnt out from training mm-hmm. so now I've had to go to lift every other day because like my system cannot handle training the way I train every day anymore it's like especially I've noticed that the last like 10 12 days like since my numbers are getting higher and higher again closer to what they were when I was in like my mid to late twenties, I just can't train every. My CNS, my system is just too worn out on a daily basis training that way. So now I have to go every other day, and usually I'll go when I'm starting to do more and more again. Is every other day where I do like a moderate, moderate heavy session in the morning, and then like a light session in the afternoon. 
on those days that I trained. So like, see what's say Tuesday. Tuesday I did close grip speed bench, um, three sets of, and this was after I did like probably 15, 20 minutes of warm up, probably 15. And then I did, so I did 10 sets of three on close grip speed bench. I did three sets of 10 to 15 on a chest supported row. I did two sets of dumbbell incline. One was a moderate incline. One was a slight incline of two sets of like 15 dumbbell close grip or neutral grip. Um, and that was about 45 minutes. I was like, that's done. Good. Um, and I'll go back later and jump in the sauna and do like 15, 20 minutes of accessory work. Um, if it's like a heavy squat day, which is really the only day that I do that's like heavy, heavy is I'll work mm-hmm. up to the heaviest set of like four to six reps I can on a squat variation. Um, that one takes longer just to warm up. And then um, I come back. If, if I need to, I'll come back and do an accessory work afterwards. But honestly, my system's usually so fried from that one session I'm done. Then two days later, I'll come back and do what I'm going to do is more like um, overhead pressing, some overhead pulling, any accessory work. And that'll probably be a session or two on the other upper body day and the lower body day. Um, usually those are just one session because it's all I need. That's a lot of unilateral training. Like it's single leg RDLs, single leg reverse hypers. I'll do like a sumo deadlift for volume, not heavy, but just like high, high, high rep. And then I'll do some like light plyos and like ankle work like I would for my basketball players. And that's kind of how I train. Gotcha. So you still stick with something like kind of similar to what your athletes try and do, kind of. Somewhat, yeah, like Mm -hmm. somewhat. Um, Some of it is like I lift heavy just for the principle of like I never hit six plates on back squats. So it's always in the back of my mind. Some of it is like. I think like if I ever implement like speed benching with some of my athletes, I still need to be able to demo it. Um, some of it is I still think you need to look the part. Some of it is I still do training like my athletes for just the principle of like when I demo drills, I know I need to have to do them. Some mm-hmm. of it is I'm beaten up. And if I don't train, I feel way worse than if I do train. Yeah. No, I got you. Do I thinking about this the other day like we never really pulled from the floor or like really did any deadlift um the nsus do you do you ever have people kind of pull from the floor at all i I don't know if that's something that's kind of stuck with you but like i i've thought about it from like an athlete perspective like in in what scenario would they ever need to do that in their sport is never yeah so like i know you guys trap are deadlifted um I don't, I don't count those. I don't know why. I just don't count those. <laughs> um, that's the only thing you really pulled from, quote unquote, the floor. But we never. Right. I remember when I first was there, Wilcox had, I think it was like the first winter I was there. It was early. Wilcox talked about, do you want to pull from the floor? I said, can I offer a suggestion? He said, of course. And I said, if we're going to pull from the floor, we should learn to deadlift from the floor first from those positions to see if they can even pull from that position. He's like, good idea. So he did it and they just didn't look good. Like mm-hmm. football players just typically don't look good pulling from those positions. Like doesn't mean you can't. It just most of our athletes weren't proficient enough to do that. Um right. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Like I very rarely pull people from the floor ever anymore in anything. Um and if I do I pull them from a trap bar deadlift um 
trying to think if there's like there's just there's no real scenario where I really see it anymore to pull from the floor. And there are some strength coaches like who still even in basketball like to pull people from the floor. I'm like, to me, it's not worth the time. And I'm it's, a professional Olympic lifting coach. I, it's just the risk risk reward ratio ratio, and I just don't feel like it's there. Yeah, I mean, like for me, it's not even a risk reward. It's I just don't think there's that much reward for the time. Like I, I think I don't even know. For me, it's like huge risk thing. I mean, there's advantages because you can see where people are tight and out of place, but like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd rather just jump them or use a trap bar or, you know, something like that nine out of 10 times. Like the only times I really see like really genuine argument are like, like throwers. Like, yeah, I just maybe rugby players. I can see a rugby player more than anyone, uh, but their wrists are and shoulders are all jacked up. Yeah. Like, because I worked with some rugby players last year, they were beaten up. Like, they're not any better than football players. The only thing is they have to they have to be more athletic because it's such a more aerobic based sport when it comes to sevens, especially. Uh, but even fifteens, it's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really think so. Like it's just because even like with sprinters, I used to, but I was like, what am I gaining out of this? The first pull in an Olympic movement isn't fast enough to create the change that I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So, no, yeah, no, I I agree. I, I'm always super curious. Um, yeah, I just i i see no benefit out of that. And you'll you'll probably call me a bitch for this too, but I also don't see a lot of benefit in giving some people back squats a lot of time, or at, at least from a bodybuilding perspective. Yeah, like, there's just there's just so many different ways. Again, like same thing with like the bench press. You know, there's just so many different ways for someone to be able to like really hone in on their quads or hamstrings or glutes without having to you know, load your spine that way. Yeah. It's funny you said, cause like, so when I first came in two of the coaches I work with were kind of tag teaming men's basketball and they were, they were box squatting them. And I didn't really overly love how deep they were going. Not that they had to be like ass to grass, but I thought well, they're too high. Like, and we're all over the board of height. Mm-hmm. And, and they were just trying to manage the program. Like the guy was gone who laughed. I don't blame him. But so that's the only reason I didn't do other variations because like they've been doing this. I don't want to throw them another curveball. Um, so as I started working the more and more, I started stripping the height more and more, working on the technical cueing of just the back squat. But like that's the only reason I didn't throw them under a safety bar because I actually lean towards safety bars. But it was funny because my coworker made a good point. She's like, the reason I don't like safety bars is because you don't feel the bar in your back the same way as you would a barbell. Because you don't feel, you feel like the pad, you don't feel the bar into your shoulder the same way. So you don't understand how to push into it the same way. I was like, that's an interesting point that I never thought about before. Um, Is that a pro or a con, though? I think it's a con. You can't feel it. Okay. First, I, I depend, depends if it feels like shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I get what you're <laughs> saying. But like, her, her whole argument is like, I think like you don't understand the seriousness of what's on your back at the same time. But like when you put a barbell on your back, like you're like, you know, but with a safety bar, it's almost like too comfortable. If that makes sense at times, like, um, we have camera bars here and I started using that again. Um, and it sucks. And, but yeah, like I, I don't very, very, very rarely do I ever like when I have my throws MSU, Kyle Douglas was at a 192 six discus thrower. He made it to nationals. We back squatted twice his entire senior cycle. 
like two cycles in total, like two, I think three or four week cycles the whole year is you don't need to, in my opinion. Very, mm-hmm. and the only time I do it is just to overload a cycle. That's all it is. Like, I don't, people, I think, believe that you have to. Like, when I was at my last job, they, all the kids wanted to. I'm like, you're, especially baseball, like, you're not going to get anything out of this. So I safety bar split squatted them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I very rarely do it um, from an athletic perspective, just because I think kids' health and their shoulders and hips and ankles is only getting worse. So it's even more reason not to. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, I it's I can't even. Well, my training is also a lot more different than what what something like you would probably prescribe. But I mean, like one a set of like a stiff leg or a squat pattern a week. It's like I I am fucked up. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you take one of those as far as you can. You're fucked up. Oh yeah, it don't take a lot at this point. No, so it's just. I don't know. Just trying to manage that a lot of times. It, there's just there's just different ways to do different things. Yeah, and the older, more beaten up I've gotten, you just kind of have to figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> lots sure. of leg extensions. That's one thing we don't have. That that is something I wish wish we did actually have back at MSU. The the more I do them right now, just to like supplement a lot of my stuff. It's I I fucking love it. Yeah, it's funny because we had an intern mike who always ran and raves like leg extensions and i never loved them it was, i was always like yeah it's a tool like i'm not saying they're they're don't you have to use but mike to this day is still like last night it's been a while since i talked to him. he always liked it because he always liked that quad tendon development more than anything if memory serves my, my knees honestly my my knee would kind of get bugged a lot of times but the more i've like kind of swapped out a lot of my squatting and pressing patterns for just like a little more work on leg extensions and like actually holding, holding in that shortened position a lot more. It's just uh, a lot of my knee pain has gone away too. So he, he could be onto something there, but like, honestly, I just think about it in terms of, I don't have to do as many squats if I can do leg extension. Right. So, so I'm not fucked up. <laughs> That's fair. Um, But if, if you had to give any advice to young coaches, Mr. Jeff or athletes, coaches or athletes, because those are very different things. If you had to give advice in general, how about that? Just a, a Jeff tidbit. Uh, work out every day. Don't eat crap. Fuck, wasn't it you that? Yeah, you're the one that's always talking to me about food. So what are you talking about? I love to eat. Just don't eat like fast food. Don't eat shitty food. You you strike me as a McGriddle guy. Not a fan. Really? Really? No, when they had the steak, egg, and cheese bagel, that's what I loved. <laughs> it's, if okay, if you had to go, no, let's do this. What, what's your what's your like favorite restaurant or place to eat right now? Now that you're in California, fair place to eat. I don't know if I I don't really go out to eat. Typically, what I do is I go to Sam's Club and get a rotisserie chicken. Or I go to Trader Joe's and get their breakfast burritos. That's it's a big bulk of my diet right now. That is such a fucking coaching answer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really, really all eat. I got a giant bag of baked potatoes in my house. Um, I get eggs and steak and salmon. If basketball gets food, I eat whatever they have. 
Okay, what what's a better breakfast burrito, town and country or um, Sam's Club? Sam's Club doesn't have breakfast burritos. Oh, the, the, wherever that place you're going. Oof. TC burritos were good, man. That's tough. Probably have to go town and country. I do miss that place. So it's a win. It's a win for the boys back home, right there. Yeah, that place makes a lot of money off hungry athletes. Yeah, holy shit! I, I'm surprised they didn't they didn't build like just a mini one in the like new facilities they built over there. Oh, they should have. They would have made tons of money. Yeah, could could have made Brittany work the whole place. She's still there, by the way. Yeah, that up. Don't know how, but anyway, um, yeah. Uh, like other other coaching goals you have for yourself? I don't know. I, that's it's interesting because five years ago I'd answer that question very differently. Um, I still have to win a conference. I've come very close a couple times, so I need to win a conference with a team. Um, well, you already beat LeBron, so I mean you can you can knock that one out of the way. Um, got to win a conference. Um had a professional runner. I've had a player sign with baseball, had some of the skiers go feel like I got to get a couple of the basketball players signed or something to kind of like broaden the horizon, so to speak. So I got, I got to get like some sort of very high level basketball player. I got to win a conference. Um, those are like direct goals as of now, long-term, you know, part of that, I don't know if fulfilled, but, when I left China, like my athletes between women and men won six golds in world or six medals in world, it's not golds, medals in world. So like that and living overseas helped fill that like void that I wanted to fill. And I don't know. I think it filled it enough for me to be satisfied, but not to be happy with winning a medal. So I think that's always going to be in my back of my mind a little. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. To be honest, I'm pretty happy here. Like the weather is ridiculous. Um, I get along with my staffs really well, um, and basketball, basketball, tennis. Um, I don't know. I think those are just the immediate goals. And then to be honest, it's probably going to see where like the next two years takes me, like the field of collegiate athletics has changed dramatically with NIL deals, COVID changed things, um, just how society is changing. So I really don't know. Like, I don't have a good answer for you because things are so dramatically different than what they were when I was in GA 10 years ago. Like, they are night and day different how things operate, managed, viewed, terminology. It's just so unbelievably different. So, I, I don't know. Like, I think you're going to see a really high emergence of, like, private facilities working more with, like, sports teams and medical, um, medical entities indirectly or directly working with sports programs um, i think it's going to change very dramatically again in five years so i don't really have a good answer because i'll have to see where it goes personal goal wise then with the six plate squat uh yeah i mean like i hate to say it but like i feel like i need to chase it now or it's never going to happen um and i know it's going to hurt the whole time um Part of me, yeah, I mean, like, well, it's funny because Massimo, you never met Moss, he's a good dude. I asked him, the, this is like, wow, not that long ago. I was like, what do I need to squat by Christmas? He goes, 515. I'm like, God. 
I even had that on my back since before Montana State. I said, okay, I'll do it. Um, so that um, I would like to hit, get back to benching something just on principle. Like I did, you know, I can do like 225 for a couple. It's more like the pain in my shoulder than anything, but just mm-hmm. to kind of get somewhat back there. Like I did 315 once in my life, so I don't think it'll ever happen again. But just to try to get that number up just on principle. Um, a lot of it was just to stay athletic. So really the only real wavering goal is to hit six plates. Stay athletic enough to like be on the floor with my athletes and just be like, I'm here, so to speak. Like I'm not gonna beat you at anything, but like you know I can still do what you I need to do, which I don't feel like enough strength coaches do. I mean, our my one coder, she's just awesome with that stuff. She's as athletic as can be. So it's good to have her next to me because she always makes me feel bad about myself. Well, you you still got time to be an athlete. I believe in you. Yep. These <laughs> are dwindling. <laughs> just uh, it's just a couple burritos will will keep you healthy, dog. I'm kind of hungry now, so I did have <laughs> chipotle earlier. Oh, chipotle. Good. I like that. I can't even remember the last time I went to Chipotle. That's upsetting. You should go now. Dude, you, do you think they have Chipotles in excess around here? Yes. I look, we have one. Okay, all you need is one. <laughs> On the other side of town and bumfuck nowhere, dude. How far is it away? Ten minutes? No, dude. I, I live on Morgan's parents' farm in the middle of nowhere. Twenty minutes? Forty-five. Worth it. <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> Uh well um do you do you have anywhere you need to be or am I holding you yeah up I, I gotta head out fairly soon here um oh. I have to do that whole like job thing with like programming and oh. tomorrow like it's that's the one thing about this job more than anything is like how much preparation I have to put in before I say like I get here well over like an hour before my first group usually and I'm like setting out the jump mat I'm setting out the bands making sure the warm's correctly I have to get the polar heart rate going I have to get my laptop out I have to get jump like it's a lot of like it's a lot more tedious Mm -hmm. so a lot of that is like I'll prep now I still have to make sure the program is good for basketball tomorrow um because we're in finals week two so we're in this really weird time period so just little stuff yeah well, if you can squeeze in just a few extra bicep curls for me. I'll take a picture. Just do it. <laughs> Neil curls. Yes, Neil curls. I like that. Uh, trademark. Yeah, you got to make sure to put the little trademark there in the corner. I'll do that. Okay, appreciate you. Well, shit, dude. I, I really appreciate you t- taking an hour and a half of your day to come bullshit with me for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. No, appreciate you having me on. And yeah, I mean, always reach out if you have any questions or want me to follow up with anything. You know, we send each other memes 24-7. So, I mean. Memes over friendship. You hear that, Roach? Fuck you. He's going to get so mad. I (laughs) I know. (laughs) Worth it, dude. Worth it. All right, buddy. You you go get some programming and food in you. Thank you. you. Yeah, enjoy your day. Thanks, buddy. See ya. See ya. Uh, NBA.